0: There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly podcast, True Crime, Haunted History, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome Welcome to to Twisted Twisted Philly.
1: In 2013, the Violence Policy Center's annual study, When Men Murder Women, indicated Pennsylvania had the 14th highest rate of women murdered by men in the United States. For over 20 years, the Violence Policy Center's study documents homicide against one female victim by one male offender. The study analyzes FBI data from the annual Supplementary Homicide Report. Between 1996 and 2013, the rate of homicide against one woman by one man dropped from 1.6 per 100,000 to 1.3. I understand data analytics. I build reports like that at work on a regular basis. And depending on your business, what seems like an insignificant percentage point can actually make a significant difference. But when I think about 1.6 women versus 1.3 women, it's hard to visualize that. Those small percentage points don't make a lot of sense when you're talking about a human being, a woman, and whether or not she will be murdered by her husband, her boyfriend, or some random stranger in a dark alley. Stories like this one, a woman murdered at the hands of someone she loved, are hard to hear. For me, they're made all the more difficult when illuminated by Christmas lights, a festive red and green, the glow from the tree and a fireplace while the family waits for Santa to arrive. (coughs) Lancaster County is a funny place. Nestled in the rolling hills of Pennsylvania, Lancaster sits about 70 miles outside of Philadelphia. It's known for the Amish and the Pennsylvania Dutch, plus antique marts, some of the best and the biggest in the entire country. Lots of discount shopping outlets, shoe fly pie, whoopie pies. There's even an annual whoopie pie festival, which my daughter and I attended a few years ago because she loves whoopie pies. Unfortunately, it wasn't everything it was advertised to be. I said it's a funny place. Well, to me, it's the towns in Lancaster County that make me laugh. I never expected what seems like a sleepy little farm community to have towns named Blue Ball, Bird in Hand, Intercourse, and Paradise. It's almost ordered in a way. Yes, my beavis and butthead sense of humor means that at 48 years old, I still laugh at the names of those towns the way I did when I was 12. And should I have understood the humor in those town names when I was 12? Probably not. A town called Paradise creates a vision in my mind. I picture miles and miles of Pennsylvania farmland. A breeze blowing through cornfields, the lush green rolling hills, dense forests, never mind the smell of cow shit and the fact that when I'm on the PA Turnpike, I lose cell range every time I pass a cow. You don't smell the manure in Paradise. Well, you do, but you shouldn't because the town is called Paradise. Paradise Township, PA, is a small section of East Central Lancaster County with only about 5,000 residents. In 2012, Paradise Township sold Afghans commemorating 300 years of incorporation. There was a big old covered bridge on the center of the Afghan with historical buildings embroidered in the corners. Peaceful, quiet, rural, pastoral. These are all words that come to mind when I think of paradise, Pennsylvania. And then I remember our state has the 14th highest rate of murder against women. And that bucolic vision is shrouded in blood. On Christmas Day, 2014... 36-year-old Dustin Lee Klopp of Paradise, Pennsylvania did what many parents do on Christmas Day. He took his two children for a visit to their grandparents' house. Klopp and his children, who were two and five at the time, spent the day with his parents, celebrating the joys of the season. Although I've never met them, I can picture Klopp's parents, maybe in their 50s or 60s, opening the door to welcome their grandchildren, who were probably excited to see Grandmom and Grandpop, or maybe it's Mom and Papa, and see what presents their grandparents had for them on Christmas Day. Did they have a Christmas family dinner? Was it turkey or ham? Did they watch Christmas movies together? Later that afternoon, Dustin Lee Klopp made a very important phone call from his parents' house. And about an hour later, he left. Now Klopp didn't have the sort of job that required he work on Christmas. He worked in construction and wasn't required on a job site that day. So what could have been so important to pull a father away from his family on Christmas? Dustin Lee Klopp left his children with his mother while his father drove him to a nearby Pennsylvania State Police barracks. Klopp turned himself in for murdering his wife around 10 p.m. the night before on Christmas Eve, while his children slept in their beds dreaming about Santa. 34-year-old Stephanie Kilhefner lived with her husband, Dustin Lee Klopp and their two children on Georgetown Road in Paradise, Pennsylvania. Their red brick and white siding split-level home sat far off the road along a gravel driveway. From the outside, it looked like a beautiful place to live. Lots of room for children to play outdoors. Neighbors weren't too close, but it was a small community, so you knew your neighbors, although they weren't quite close enough to hear family squabbles. On December 24th, Stephanie's neighbors, Tim and Sheila Rohr saw Stephanie around 7.30 p.m. The Rohrers were saying goodbye to family members as Stephanie Kilhefner pulled in her driveway. She waved and wished them a Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. as she continued up the driveway to her house. What happened in that house is a mystery. Less than three hours later, Stephanie Kilhefner was dead, murdered by her husband, Dustin Lee Klopp. Stephanie Kilhefner had a big heart. She was the sort of person who did anything for anyone. It was something her friends and family repeated about her, whether it was her commitment to rescuing farm animals or the way she cared for her children and her forgiveness towards her husband, Dustin Lee Klopp. Klopp had a criminal past. He had a rather busy criminal past. In 1997, he pled guilty to burglary and assault when he was just 19 years old. Two years later, he was again charged with burglary and resisting arrest. In 2004, Dustin Lee Klopp was convicted in Okaloosa County, Florida, of burglary and grand theft auto. Klopp served 18 months in prison, then two years probation upon his release. But he just couldn't seem to stay out of trouble. And that's not surprising. According to the Marshall Project, at least 45% of federal inmates are rearrested within five years of release. Not all of them wind up back in jail. 32% are reconvicted, and 25% of those rearrested are reincarcerated. These numbers are nothing to throw a party over. Prison reformation programs aren't having the impact we expected, but there is hope because older inmates and those with education, whether they entered prison with particular levels of education or get their diplomas and degrees in prison, have much greater likelihoods not to reoffend. In Dustin Lee Klopp's case, he was young, stupid, uneducated, and behaved as if he didn't give a fuck about anyone. In 2005, Klopp violated his probation in Florida, probably by leaving the state and coming back to Pennsylvania. Stephanie Kilhefner knew about Klopp's record, and she loved him anyway. Why not? She may not have known the extent of his crimes, or that he was wanted in Florida when she met him in Lancaster County in the mid-2000s. Maybe she thought she could change him, get him to settle down and turn his life around. Ladies, as much as we hate to admit it, there have been a time in each of our lives where we thought there was something about a guy we could change because he loved us. Then we grew up. We learned to accept people for whom they are and acknowledge even if you're into someone, if they're not good for you, you walk away. Stephanie couldn't do that. The first indication something wasn't right between Stephanie and Dustin Klopp was in 2008, when she filed a protection from abuse order against Klopp while they were living in Akron Borough in Ephrata Township, Pennsylvania. In the PFA, dated October 2nd, 2008, Stephanie said, He attacked me, punched me in the eye, face and head. I fell to the ground and he kicked me and drugged me across the pavement. Last night, he choked me. He threatened to blow my head off, hunt me down and kill me. He has repeatedly choked me, knocked me out and been aggressive and violent. And I'm fearful for my life. He's done this before, choked me and hit me. He slammed my head into a wall. Stephanie Kilhefner was granted a temporary order that prevented Klopp from entering their apartment. Where was Dustin Lee Klopp when he got served? I'll give you three guesses, but the first two don't count. He was in Lancaster County Prison. Two weeks later, Stephanie withdrew her request for a permanent protection from abuse order, and the following year they had their first child, a daughter who was five years old by the time her father, Dustin Klopp, murdered her mother. The following year, in September 2009, Dustin Lee Klopp was arrested on drug charges and sentenced to between two to four years in jail. That gave Stephanie Kilhefner a break from the abuse for a while. Why would this loving, compassionate woman, who cared so much for everyone else, someone who treated everyone with kindness and love, stay with a man like Dustin Lee Klopp? You know, it's so unfair of me to ask that question, and I know I'm not the only one asking it. Stephanie Kilhefner was in her 20s when she met Dustin Lee Klopp. He was a good-looking bad boy, and many of us have fallen for a good-looking bad boy a time or two. Sometimes it's worked out better than we'd hoped, but not always. Sometimes we're left with family and friends standing around us saying, I told you so. Klopp was released from prison in 2011. The next few years offered big changes in both their lives. By 2013, Dustin and Stephanie had their second child. They left their little apartment and moved to a rented house on Georgetown Road in Paradise Township and they got married. According to Stephanie Kilhefner's niece, Cheyenne Smith, Stephanie made it seem like her relationship with Dustin was perfect. She loved her children and she loved her husband. She loved rescuing and caring for animals. At the time of her death, Stephanie had two horses, a chickateek pony, and a goat. All were rescue animals from other farms. No one knows exactly what set off Dustin Lee Klopp on Wednesday night, Christmas Eve, in 2014. Stephanie's neighbors saw her around 7:30 p.m. She got the kids to bed, and sometimes shortly before 10 p.m., she and Dustin had an argument. God, I remember holiday arguments between my parents between me and my ex-husband. One year, I can't believe I'm gonna share this, one year it was so bad, I left the house on Christmas Eve and stayed at the Doubletree Hotel near my house. I walked in and it was filled with so many Christmas trees and holiday decorations, I threw up when I got to my room because I was so sad. Around 3 a.m. on Christmas morning, I checked out, I went home and tried to put the pieces back together and salvage the holiday. So I get it. I get fights on Christmas Eve. But not what happened next. That I can never understand. This is a warning about the next segment of this episode. It includes violence against Stephanie Kilhefner. Dustin Klopp was so mad at his wife Stephanie Kilhefner that Christmas Eve, he punched her in the face. Then he grabbed a knife and cut her throat. Apparently that wasn't enough because she was still alive. So he got an ax and beat her in the head. Neither the police nor the Lancaster County District Attorney released the details of the argument, other than to say whatever upset him doesn't matter. It's no excuse or justification for what Dustin Lee Klopp did to his wife, Stephanie Kilhefner. Klopp cleaned up the blood and other evidence of what he'd done. He put Stephanie Kilhefner's body in a car carrier bag. That's the sort of nylon bag that covers luggage or other items people transport on top of the roof of their car. And he put the bag inside a shed behind their house. The only comfort in this story is the children slept through all of it. They had no idea what their father did to their mother when they woke up on Christmas morning. I'm sure they wondered where Stephanie was. She was home when they went to sleep, and they probably asked for her when they got up to open presents. I wonder what Dustin Lee Klopp told his parents when he arrived later Christmas morning with the children. Maybe he said Stephanie had a migraine and was home in bed. Or she had a stomach bug. She can't possibly leave the house. We didn't want the kids to miss Christmas with their grandparents. And by the way, Dad, later on, do you think you could give me a ride to the Pennsylvania State Police barracks? Dustin Lee Klopp called the Pennsylvania State Police from his parents' house a little before 5.30 p.m. on Christmas Day. He admitted what he did. The State Police arrived at his home on Georgetown Road and found Stephanie Kilhefner where Klopp said they would, in a car carrier bag in the shed.
0: Justin Klopp called the state police on Christmas Day and told them he killed his wife Stephanie Killefner with a knife and an axe.
1: How can, how can anybody do that, though?
0: Jerry Fenninger has lived across the street from where it happened on Georgetown Road for almost two decades and was shocked to learn what happened. Police say Klopp initially called them around 5.30 p.m. Christmas Day to say he had killed her. About an hour later, they say that he came to the Lancaster barracks and told them the violent details. State police say Klopp told them he got in an argument with Kilhefner on Christmas Eve and punched her in the face. When she fell to the ground, he took a knife and slit her throat. Then he grabbed an axe and hit her in the back of the head repeatedly before hiding her body in a shed near his house.
1: Cold. And then put her under... stuffed her in a bag, and put her out in the shed. Hi-yi-yi, hi, hi. it's, it's just unbelievable.
0: Other neighbors told us the couple have two children, both under the ages of 10, who are now staying with their grandparents. Meanwhile, Klopp is being held at the Lancaster County Prison. His bail has been denied. For the people that live here, it's still a shock. I
1: feel sorry for the family, too. Yeah. You know, we just couldn't believe it that something like that happened. This close to home. According to Lancaster Online News, Klopp was arrested and charged with homicide, abuse of a corpse, and fabricating or tampering with evidence. On Monday, December 29th, the Lancaster County coroner determined Stephanie Kilhefner died of multiple traumatic injuries. The coroner found something else, too. Stephanie had been sexually assaulted. On Wednesday, February 18th, 2015, the district attorney filed a felony sexual abuse charge against Dustin Lee Klopp, in addition to the other charges filed immediately after Stephanie Kilhefner's murder. 36-year-old Dustin Klopp remains here at Lancaster County Prison, but now prosecutors have added sexual assault charges against him. The additional charge was uh, one count of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, and that was filed based on findings during the autopsy report of the victim. Klopp didn't enter a guilty plea. But he did waive his preliminary hearing, which was scheduled that same day in February. A week later, Dustin Lee Klopp attempted suicide in Lancaster County Prison. He tried to hang himself in his cell. He was quickly transferred to Lancaster General Hospital and placed on life support. On Friday, March 2nd, 2015, Dustin Lee Klopp was taken off life support and died shortly thereafter. Justin Klopp had been in prison since turning himself in to police Christmas Day for the brutal murder of his wife Stephanie Kilhefner at their home in Ronx. Now the Lancaster County Prison is where he ended his own life. The Lancaster County Coroner says the 36-year-old hung himself Wednesday with a bedsheet and is now brain dead. This is the third suicide on top of another two attempted suicides at the prison in recent months that will be investigated. Lancaster County launched an investigation into his suicide and no disciplinary action was taken against the guards on shift when Klopp attempted to take his own life. He was found hanging in his cell from a bed sheet between the scheduled 30-minute cell checks. Lancaster Online reported that Lancaster County Commission and Prison Board Chair Scott Martin said all policies and procedures had been followed. It seemed Klopp waited for just the right time. After a cell check, his cellmate left to attend a prison activity. Clapp had about 20 minutes before the next cell check. He timed his suicide attempt just right. While this case didn't find any instances of a failure to follow procedure, there have been 16 suicides at the Lancaster County Prison in the last 20 years. Three occurred in 2015, the same year that Dustin Lee Klopp took his own life. That's a pretty shitty track record. In a span of two months, Don and Paula Kilhefner lost their daughter at the hands of a murderer, who happened to be her husband. Two little children lost both their mother and father, because Dustin Lee Klopp took his own life before he had to stand trial for murdering his wife. The Klopp family lost their son. It's just so fucking big and tragic, every way you look at it. I read that both sets of grandparents are raising Stephanie and Dustin's children. Stephanie's niece, Cheyenne Smith, told the local media, the families want to make sure the children have a big, loving, caring family surrounding them, and that includes both the Klops and the Kilheffners. That's amazing, because it would be easy to understand one or both families pointing the finger at each other over something like this. But these families managed to put the needs of their grandchildren, their nieces, and nephews first. And that's pretty incredible. Sadly, Stephanie Kilhefner's father, Don, passed away earlier this year in September. He passed away peacefully, leaving his wife, Stephanie's brother and sister, and her children behind. The Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week, at one 800 932-4632. Their website is www.pcadv.org. There you can find resources in your community, information about shelters, and other support systems. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Pennsylvania State Police has a Victim Services Program, which is another resource for victims of domestic violence in our state. I'll put a link to that website, the Domestic Violence Hotlines, and the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence in the show notes and on my social media pages. Lancaster County reports a decline in protection from abuse orders over the last few years. That doesn't mean there's been a reduction in the amount of domestic violence. Experts say it's because of changes in county regulations that require the plaintiff to testify at a hearing after the temporary order when they want to pursue a permanent order. Some people, and when I say some people, I mean women because it's predominantly women filing PFAs in our state, never move forward with the permanent PFA. Or they don't show for a hearing because they may be too scared of the defendant who also has the opportunity to defend himself or herself at that hearing. Are there times when people file PFAs out of vengeance or because of child custody disputes? They're so wrapped up in how much they hate their spouse or significant other, they'll do anything to hurt him or her. Absolutely. But that's the exception. It's not the rule. More often than not, when someone needs a PFA, it's because they are truly scared for their safety, perhaps the safety of their children or family, and they may even be scared for their lives. Lancaster County made it a little harder for people to get permanent protection from abuse orders. There are also people who submit requests for a PFA and then change their mind. They want to work things out. They want to forgive. Things will get better. He or she promised me it won't happen again. We're going to counseling. All of that is admirable. When you love someone, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And hell, maybe they even deserve the benefit of the doubt. Everyone has to make whatever decision works for them and their family. But part of that should include a plan, in case your efforts don't yield the desired results and you need help. I'm not saying don't give someone a second chance or even a third chance. Only you can make that decision. I'm encouraging anyone in a domestic violence situation to have a backup plan. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for your kids or for your friends and your family, the people who love you and don't wanna see anything bad happen to you. The holidays can be stressful. Spending more money than you planned on when truth be told, as wonderful as it is to give something special to the people you love, you're probably the most special gift of all. We drive ourselves nuts sometimes to get the decorations up, not eat too many Christmas cookies, fight with family over when and where we'll be celebrating. All I want to do is put my feet up with my fireplace blazing and watch a movie. That's it. Keep it simple. That's my goal this year. When you feel a holiday stressors creeping up on you, there's something you can do about it. Talk to someone a friend, a family member, a professional. Stop spending money. Lord knows I need to practice that one more often. Make homemade gifts or find a photograph of you and the person to whom you wish to give a gift and make a frame for that picture. Meditate, do deep breathing. It's okay to say everything is moving too damn fast and I need to slow down. It's okay to say I'm not going to do everything this year. Listening to holiday true crime probably doesn't help either. What the fuck was I thinking? More Christmas murder. Last year we had the Huliver murders when Ernest Huliver from Middletown, Pennsylvania murdered his estranged wife Jean and his two daughters Victoria and Elizabeth on Christmas Eve because he didn't want his daughters to testify against him about sexual abuse they suffered at the hands of their father. That asshole is still appealing his conviction and death sentence. And this year, I found another Christmas Eve murder. Sweet baby Jesus, that's Pennsylvania for you. You'll notice these crimes aren't from Philly. Oh, we have murder over the holidays in the streets of Philadelphia. Drive-bys as someone's walking home from a holiday gathering. Home invasions while people are wrapping gifts. Stories that don't get too much attention because they happen every day. So hold your loved ones tight, Twisters. Tell them how much you care. Don't go to bed mad. And don't subject yourself to toxicity simply for the sake of family and holidays. You have to take care of yourself first, because if you're not good to yourself, you can't be good for anyone else. I'd like to thank Brianna, co-host from the Murder Dictionary podcast, for the voiceover you heard in this episode. Thank you, as always, to Emmy Sarah for the music you hear in this and every episode of Twisted Philly. You can find out more about Emmy on her website at emmysara.com, and you can download her music on iTunes. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.